I'm so thankful for the kindness you've all showed to me and um, the blessing. It was funny. I was sitting right next to one of the kids and he had a Chipotle gift card. I said, I want that. Just playing with him. And he actually gave it. So I appreciate that. Um, uh, I, I probably, he probably, des- I probably deserve to give him one. Uh, but uh, someone said they put their credit card in there, just warning you. So some, one, of, <laughs> some, one of the kids might have taken someone's credit card. <laughs> but he said, I've got a credit card in here. But um, no, I'm so thankful. And uh, it's definitely a huge blessing to me. Um, Especially when my car broke, I was in Illinois and I was driving to a church, pulled in the church parking lot and the car just stopped working um, and I was stuck in Illinois and I was like, what in the world was going to happen? But the Lord provided and I'm, think, I'm so thankful for you all for being a blessing to me. I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to get a new car, all that different stuff and the Lord's worked it out and you've all been a huge blessing to me. So I'm th- so thankful for that, especially for the support as well. Uh, I've been raising support. Um, I was just recently at 35% and um, and the Lord's been providing in that area as well. So, so thankful for you all and the blessing you've been to me. Uh, I'll tell a few quick testimonies uh, and a little bit more about my ministry. And I believe he wanted me to play the video one more time. And then we'll hop into a message this evening. But again, my name is Zach Campbell. Um, my ministry is known campus ministry. The idea is make Jesus known on our college campuses. 19.9 million students, over 1 million ad- international students in the U.S. Huge reach, huge opportunities to reach the world on our local campuses. 62 world leaders have come to the U.S. We did outreach at Harvard University. 188 billionaires graduated from Harvard. Imagine just reaching one and the impact it could have. Imagine just reaching one of those world leaders, the impact it could have. Imagine reaching one of those international students and the impact it can have. And you all have an international student here, a uh, student here, and um, it's great getting to know her. Um, and that's just a huge opportunity. We were joking with her and saying, now you can go back to Switzerland and tell everyone about Christ. But that's really, that's really what it is, though. And that's what this Christian life is about. It's about pointing people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God saved us. None of us deserve to be saved tonight. We're all sinners deserving hell. But by the grace of God, He loved us so much, He sent His Son to die in our place. And we're adopted into His family. We have forgiveness of sin. We have redemption through His blood. We're, we're uh, all the benefits of being saved. There's so many of those things. And today we heard that message. But there's so many people around the world that never even heard the message of the gospel, never even heard a, read a Bible, never even heard about the gospel of Christ. So many people, so many people are searching. And there's people searching on our college campuses. People are hurting. People are looking for answers. Um, I, I believe he mentioned the, the story of the, the YouTuber that came to our Bible study last week. It, uh, uh, it was pretty crazy. We started our Bible study at the University of Maryland. Um, my brother was out passing out some flyers for the, uh, for the, the, the Bible study, that, the day of, um, of the Bible study. And we're out going out passing, passing things out. We had a table set up and the, the, the guy came by. He had a camera crew kind of uh, filming him. Um, but we really didn't know who he was, so we gave him a flyer. And... Um, People started going up to him and taking pictures with him. So we we're like, you must be famous for something. So one of the ladies that was with us in our church went up to him and said, you must be famous for something. And um, he said, well, I do YouTube videos. And I thought maybe locally he was famous and, and whatnot. But come to find out, he had 8 million subscribers on YouTube, over a million Instagram followers. And he lived in L.A. He was just coming back because he's from Maryland to do a video at the University of Maryland. We happened to run into him. I invited him to Bible study. I never thought he'd come. And he ended up coming. And he brought 20 guys with him to the Bible study. Uh, brought 20 guys with them and they put the video out on YouTube and it has over 200,000 views and in the comment section they're talking about our Bible study and different things and um, in the video at the end of the Bible study he took the guys out and he said what did you guys think and one, one of the guys was I'm not even a Christian <laughs> and he came to the Bible study because that the influencer 
uh, made an impact on him. But be praying for that, that man um, that he gets saved. Um, you never know who you might reach. You never know who you might run into on these college campuses. We had started a Bible study at, at a school in Pennsylvania in the spring semester. A young, a young uh, man got in a car wreck at December. He began to search for what faith was. He began to search about Christianity because he was kind of worried because he just got in this car wreck and he began to think about uh, eternity. He ended up coming to his campus. His campus was a Catholic campus and um, there was only, there was no really other denominations on that campus and we were able to start our Bible study and he was able to get connected to it and he began to come for a couple weeks and I just saw him and I really felt the Lord was leading me to talk to him one of the evenings and I was just able to talk to him and he was telling me a little about how he's in this car wreck and he kind of began to kind of search things out. And that young man said he wasn't sure where he'd go when he'd die. When he'd die. So I was able to share with him the gospel at the very end. He basically said this is what he was looking for. And that young, that young man accepted Christ as his Savior. But what if we weren't there? Who would have reached him? He might be working his way for salvation for the rest of, of his life. Never to gain it. Because we can't gain it in our own. Our works, our righteousness are as filthy rags. All the good we could ever do would never be enough to save us. He could have done that his whole life. Maybe he would have done all these different things just to gain salvation. And he ended up in hell. But we were there. But there's students like him all across the country. that They're just saying, what if someone told me? What if I just heard the message? We look at our college campuses as a place of anti-God, anti-all this, and we've stayed away. But let me tell you, that's our mission field. That's where we need to go. That's where we got to get the gospel to. What our nation needs right now is some young adults that are going to get on fire for God. Our nation needs some people that are going to say, you know what? Despite what the world says, despite what the culture says, despite what's going on in this whole world, the gospel still works. We're still going to tell people we're going to live out the gospel in our lives and people are still going to get saved. And I believe that can happen on our college campuses. I'll tell you one more quick testimony of a... (laughs) We posted a YouTube video on how to be a Christian on a secular campus, and it had like 50 views on, on YouTube and different things. Well, I took a, a young man with me to the University of Kentucky, and we went out just kind of walking around. We were able to share the gospel with several students, and we had a really good day. Um, a couple people got saved that day, and we, we were able to have a really good day, and I posted about it on Instagram. A young man reached out to me on Instagram and said, um, how long are you in Kentucky for? I didn't know who this man was, didn't, knew nothing about him. I was able to start a conversation with him, and I, he said he'd heard, my, give me, he heard me give my testimony. And I said, well, that must have been, he was in one of the churches I was at. And I said, well, where'd you hear me give my testimony? And he pulled up the YouTube video. And I was like, well, that's, that's crazy. I don't know how he found the YouTube video, but he found the video. And he said, could you come to my campus? And I worked it out to where I could come to his campus. He was showing us around. He was telling all these people we're starting a Bible study. People were always excited. And he brought us into the cafeteria. We ate lunch. And he, brought, he played on the soccer team. He brought us to... Um, the, uh, his soccer team to us at the cafeteria and we all began to eat and his, his soccer teammate um, grew up in church and knew a lot of the, the, the basic terminology. Um, but he told me something was missing in his life. We were able to share the gospel with him for about 40 minutes, answering questions, going through uh, the whole Bible. And we, were, we went really in depth and examining all sorts of things. And at the end, that, end of that conversation, that young man said, I think I need to get saved. And I looked at that man and said, well, would you like to get saved now? And, and he said, I need to get saved now. And as I'm talking to that young man, I look at, to the young man who invited me, and he said, I need to get saved too. And I was thinking, I was like, how in the world would this even happen? 
that was the Lord <laughs> putting that, somehow him finding that video. I asked him, I said, how did you find the video? He said, one day I was just like, I want to, how to be a Christian on a secular campus. Just put in that the exact phrase, and our video came up first. And that's what the Lord does. The Lord puts people together. The Lord has divine appointments and brings people together. But the, the reason I tell these stories is because God's still working. College students are still getting saved. And lives are still being changed. And I believe we can see a change in America if we reach our college campuses. You might, people are afraid to get on campus, but there's ways and there's plenty of ways. I've been on six to eight different campuses in the last week. We've passed out hundreds of books of Romans. We've had, in the past six weeks, we probably had about 200 students sign up for Bible studies and on different campuses. And we were passing out Bible study tracts. We were able to witness to a lot of different students. And we haven't had one person yell at us, despite what the world thinks and what people think. We haven't had one person yell at us. And so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God can do great works on our college campuses. So we'll play this quick video again. Again, it's a testimony of a young man who got saved. He's actually a president of a fraternity on campus, and he got saved, and he started making it mandatory in order to join the fraternity that they would have to come to our outreaches. And a lot of the guys would end up coming to our outreaches so, so they could join the fraternity. But we were able to share the gospel with them. And those outreaches we did, um, we're planning to do a lot of those across the country. COVID slowed those things down. Um, but in the next year or so, we're going to be doing larger outreaches on those college campuses. So please be praying and uh, and see the video. Through college ministries, I've gotten away from partying and smoking marijuana. Like, for instance, for me, I was living that life and living that life of sin, and um, I was invited to go to a college ministry event, and I, I went there, and forever I've been transformed, and I just think that if it wasn't for college ministries, then I might still be living within that sin. It just feels so nice to be let out of those chains, and if it wasn't for college ministries, then I definitely wouldn't be the person that I am today. last thing about campus ministry in Acts chapter 19, verse 9, right, we'll start in verse 8, this is Paul here, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when the diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. Paul separated and went to the, the schools. He began to preach 
This continued by the space of two years. He preached there for two years. And look at the result. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. See the result of Paul going to the schools? For two years he preached, and what was the result? That all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. We go to our campuses, we reach our campuses, we'll reach the world with the gospel. But it starts with us as local churches taking it on, saying, you know what? Let's reach our campus and see what God can do. So be praying, thinking about the opportunities. I'm excited about the opportunities to to do outreach at this university um, right by your church. Huge opportunities. I'm excited and I look forward to getting on campus. And and I'm excited about the the students that you all have. Uh, Great bunch of students that can make a huge impact on their campus for Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. This will be kind of a continuation on of what we did this morning um, with Peter. Matthew chapter 14. We'll be reading in verse 22. Verse 22. And the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him into the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou... Bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous and was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came came and worshiped him, saying, Of truth thou art the Son of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity to open your word. Thank you for this church and the blessing they've been to me. Lord, I pray that you be with each and every person here. Um, There was a young man that came up to me, Lord, before the service, Lord, and he asked us to pray for his sister, Lord, who's in uh, in the hospital. I pray that you be with his sister. Be with her, be with her healing. And Lord, I pray that you be with this message this evening. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to decrease and you to increase, Lord. Let your word be magnified this evening. Lord, challenge our hearts. The Lord change us for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Uh, so I told the story of, of this past uh, summer, summer fun camp uh, when we had the, the large snake and we'd been uh, having battles with it and the kids hated my brother. And um, so the year before that, I had brought the large snake. So that was the first year of the large snake, the 10, the 10 foot long stuffed animal snake. And we'd been battling devil all week and the kids loved it. Um, and it was a horse camp. So they said, do you want to ride a horse? I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I'd never really ridden a horse before. So I was like, yeah, why not? So I hop on the horse. We do the trail and stuff. And I'm like, this is pretty easy. And then the guy looks at me, one of the guys that was leading, he says, 
you want to go fast? And I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to go fast? I'm like, let's do this thing. And I'm thinking this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be flying through like this. Uh, it's just going to be like this epic uh, scene. And, and so I'm like, okay, let's do this thing. So his horse takes off. And my horse, you know, it thinks it's the Kentucky Derby and takes off as well. Um, the thing is, everything they taught me to do, nothing was working. So usually that's not a good thing. Um, so I'm, t- I'm telling the horse to do all these different things and nothing's happening. And we're running straight at a fence. And I'm like, I hope this horse can jump. And it's just like, this can't be good. And my horse is just running and I'm saying, slow down and nothing's happening. And I'm like, okay, this can't be good. But it's never good when the person leading you and you look at him, they have the look of doom. If the person leading you in life has the look of doom, you should be scared. Um, in that moment, I, moment, I I began to get a little scared and um, because I was watching him, but it was more and more like this. And I couldn't figure out why the world was turning and it didn't really make sense. He's yelling things at me. I don't know what he's yelling. And before too long, I decided, you know, it's, 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 I'm just, I'm doomed. So I'm going this way. And before too long, I decided to go head first into the ground and just slid across the ground. There's eight horses behind me running. And he came up to me and goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. And he goes, I don't think you're okay. And I'm like, why? He's like, look at your head. And I'm like, filling my head around. And I had this just a little cut in my head and I'll, um, but it wasn't my fault. The saddle was not put on properly is what I found out. So, um, don't judge my horse riding skills. Um, but it went along with our skit because we'd been f- battling the devil, the snake. And the next day I got into the summer fun camp and I feel like all my stories come back to this camp. Um, they were like, the devil finally got you. He got you because <laughs> we'd been battling the devil all week. And I had this big, scu- this big cut up my head. And they're like, oh, the devil got you. So um, it's always fun um, dealing with kids <laughs> and summer fun camps. And, and that camp always has stories for me to tell. So uh, Matthew chapter 14 is where we'll be at this evening. Uh, very, another very familiar passage, but one where we see the life of Peter being impacted again. Uh, brief introduction to where we are this evening. Um, we, we learned about this morning kind of the earlier story in Luke chapter 5, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus calling the disciples. He called Peter, Andrew, James, and John, but he called Peter to launch out into the deep and let down the nets. Peter responded. Peter was challenged. Peter was convicted. And finally, Peter was changed. He became a fisher of men. And he began to follow Jesus, but Jesus began to call his disciples. He began to gather his disciples, and and these disciples began to follow Jesus like Peter did. They forsook all and followed him. They began to see great miracles. They began to see amazing things happening. They began to hear Jesus preaching more and more with power, and more and more people were astonished at his word. They said his word was with power. They were excited. People were all following him. The miracles were great, and these disciples had a front row seat all the way through this story. The the crowds begin to flock to him. People of leprosy would come to him and Jesus would heal them. They would leave healed. There was one time the story of the paralyzed man. His his friends brought him to Jesus, dropped him down through the roof and what happened? That man walked out, not paralyzed anymore. He was healed and that's what Jesus continued to do. Great miracles. Demons were cast out of people. Think of the maniac of Gadara. A man who lived in the tombs. A man who would cut himself. A man that would cry out but he met a man named Jesus and what happened? His life was changed forever. Jesus began to change people all around and more and more people began to flock to him. If I was there, I'd want to get a front row seat to there. I would want to see the miracles. I would want to see what Jesus was going to do. I would want to see what Jesus was going to say and miracle after miracle kept happening. One day the disciples are in the water and all of a sudden the storm comes up and you know what happens? The disciples get scared. They're crying out for fear but what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping in the back of the boat and they wake Jesus 
Jesus up. And what does Jesus do? Peace be still. And the disciples were shocked and say, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? At Jesus' voice, as he spoke, the wind stopped, the, uh, the waves stopped. And another great miracle the disciples saw. I think of the woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. She had no hope in herself. She'd spent all her money on all the physicians. She'd done everything she could to be healed. But just with one touch of Jesus' garment, she was made whole. Cleansed. Great miracles are happening. The disciples are seeing these sayings. The disciples are excited. Thousands are following Him. You look at Matthew chapter 14. The thousands are following Him. And and, uh, verse 13 of chapter 14, it says, uh, verse 12, And His disciples came, oh sorry, in verse 13, When Jesus heard of it, He departed thence by ship into a desert place. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. They said, we're going to follow Jesus. They followed him out into the desert place. And when Jesus saw these people, he was, he, he, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. When Jesus saw the multitudes, when he saw all the people, Jesus was moved with compassion. How often do we look at our city with compassion? When Jesus saw people, it always moved him with compassion because he saw the souls of men. But how often are we moved with compassion? I'm not just saying, oh, we come to church, we spend time in church. But I'm saying, have we been moved with compassion to share the gospel with someone? We've been moved with compassion to go help someone out. We've been moved with compassion. We saw a situation. We said, you know what? I need to go help. I need to go help this person. I want to share the gospel with this person. Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. He began to heal their sick. But it began to get darker because it was become evening time and they're in a desert place and the disciples said, where are we going to eat? Jesus responds and says, they need not depart, give you them to eat. And they say unto them, we we have here but five loaves and two small fishes. Sometimes we read the miracles in the Bible and we just read them as, oh, maybe it's just the story. But no, this is real life things. Thousands of people here estimated 5,000, or there's 5,000 men estimated by 15 to 20,000 women and children. There's thousands upon thousands of people there. They're getting hungry, and the disciples said we should send them away because they're getting hungry. They need to go back and get food. But Jesus said there's no reason for them to depart. What do we have? And, and he said, we have five loaves, two small fish. And you know what Jesus does? Another great miracle. Thousands are fed. And you know when Jesus does a miracle, what do you, look at verse 20. And they did all eat and were filled. They were filled when they got, when they got a miracle done by Jesus. It wasn't part way, halfway. Jesus filled them up. And you know what? When you get a hold of Jesus in your life, your life will be filled up. But these people, they saw another great miracle. Let me tell you this. Let me bring it to this part. These disciples, they saw miracle, miracle, miracle after miracle. Great things are happening. And look, now it's time for one of them to experience God doing a miracle through them. Through them. His name is Peter. Tonight I just want to preach a few minutes on, if Peter were here, he would say this, come check out the waters. Come check out the waters. The very first thing you see, well, how did Peter get to this place where Peter could walk on water? He has no ability to walk on water. How did Peter get in this spot to where he'd be one of the only men in history besides Jesus to walk on water? 
He was in the right place. Peter was in the right place. Verse 22, we see this. What was to say? And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. He constrained his disciples to get into the ship. He tells them to get into this boat and to go before them on the other side. These crowds that were following Jesus, they were worked up. They were excited by what they saw. They probably wanted to make Jesus king. They, they, they wanted to, 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 to follow Jesus, and they were all excited. They wanted to make Jesus king in this moment, but Jesus said, no, that's not why I'm here. He gets into the boat, and he says, you guys need to leave. The disciples are probably concerned here because they're like, why are we leaving? But they're given a clear direction to go before him onto the other side. There was a clear direction given, go before me onto the other side. It didn't make sense to these disciples. It might have made sense for them to stay. Maybe there was huge miniature opportunities here. They just had great success. All these people are excited about Jesus. And they might say, well, why are we leaving? Why would we leave? We have all these opportunities here. But Jesus said, hey, get into the boat and go before him on to the other side. When Jesus tells us to go somewhere, we need to listen. There's a clear direction given. Jesus sends the multitudes away. And then we see in verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. During Jesus' busy ministry, he did not neglect his time spent with God the Father. And when evening time was come, he was there alone. He spent alone time with God. Let me ask you this. Do you have alone time with God? Do you spend alone time with God? Jesus gives a great example of him spending time in prayer with God the Father. The secret to a successful Christian life is time spent in prayer. If you want a ministry that's last, that's effective, and that's directed by God, we have to have prayer. Jesus gives this example here, and he goes apart in his busy ministry with all the things going on. Thousands of people are just fed. He sends his disciples away, and he goes apart to pray. How often do we spend time alone with God? How often do we have our time alone with God? And that's a challenge for me and a challenge for all of us. How much time do we spend in prayer? Prayer is one of our most powerful weapons. That's where we can talk to God the Father. The Bible says, let us come boldly before His throne of grace that we might find help and time, uh, help and grace to find help in time, or help to help us in time of trouble. And we have all these different blessings of coming before the throne of God and, and we can come before Him and cast all our cares upon Him for He cares for you. But oftentimes, the very first thing we cut when we get busy is prayer. But we see there's a clear direction given. We see the concerning development in verse 24 through 26. When the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary, the concerning development was this. They listened. The disciples went where Jesus told them to go. But now they're in the midst of the sea, right where Jesus sent them. And the waves are starting to pick up. And the wind was contrary. And this big storm comes. And these disciples begin to get worried. There's a concerning development. This is where Jesus wants them to be. But Jesus knew about the storm, yet he sent them there. See, the storms of life come. and the will of God, there'll be storms that will arise. Oftentimes, there's great spiritual battles after great spiritual victories. These disciples just saw great miracles of God. Thousands of people just fed. Now they're in the middle of the ocean or the middle of the sea. And what's happening? The storm, and they're all thinking they're going to die. They were tossed. They'd lost control of the boat. They were struggling to gain power of the boat. It began to be hard to see. Although many of them were expert fishermen, they were struggling and helpless to control the boat. Last time they were in the storm, Jesus was there, and he calmed the sea. But this time, Jesus is not with them. They begin to feel alone in the storm. But look, if you look at the parallel passage in Mark chapter 6, it says, 
and Jesus saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. Sometimes God's going to give us a clear direction and it's not going to make sense. And we're going to be in the storm and we say, Lord, why did you leave me out here? Why did you put me out here? How am I going to go? But Jesus knew exactly where they were the whole time. Jesus saw where they were the whole time. Jesus knew what was going on. Today, Christian, if you're in the storm, if you're in the, if you're in the valley, you might say, well, I feel like I'm all alone, but Jesus knows where you're at. Jesus knows the struggles. Jesus saw them panicking. Jesus saw, saw that their bow was getting pushed around, but Jesus knew the whole time where they were at. But these disciples, they didn't think that. They didn't know that. They didn't know Jesus was watching and they began to panic. Today, Christian, remember Jesus knows where you're at. In the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between 6, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., what happens? Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Another great miracle. This isn't just uh, some story. Jesus comes to them in their time of scare. Well, they're scared. They think they're going to die. The winds are strong. The waves are big. But here comes Jesus walking on the sea. Notice how Jesus wasn't running on the sea. He wasn't saying, you know what? I need to get to these people as soon as possible. Jesus was walking because their biggest threat was the sea. But the threat of the sea does not affect our Savior. He wasn't worried about the water. He wasn't worried about the wind. He came walking to them on the sea. He knew exactly what they needed, yet he didn't have to run because he's in control of everything. He walked on the water. Our biggest challenges in life don't scare Jesus. The things that threaten us don't threaten him. And I'm thankful today he's the Lord of the sea and he's the Lord of our problems. But this disciple, he was given a clear direction. There was a, 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 a concerning development. This storm comes up and he's, they're in the sea and, and they're scared for their life. And here comes Jesus walking. And what happens? And when, in verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a spirit. They cried out for fear. They were shocked by what they saw. They cried out for fear. First they had the storm and they thought they were going to die and now they have some ghost chasing after them. They're like, who is this ghost that's in the water, that's walking on the water? They're panicking. They're scared. They don't expect Jesus to show up. But you know what? Every time that Jesus told them to go somewhere, Jesus was always there and he was always was there when he needed to be. But these disciples, they forgot about Jesus in the storm. They forgot about where Jesus was and they didn't have any idea that Jesus knew exactly where they were and yet Jesus comes walking on the sea, they did not expect Jesus to show up. How many times in our life, when we get into the storm, do we expect Jesus to show up? Do we expect Jesus to be there? Peter's in the right place. These disciples are scared. They did not expect Jesus to show up. Well, how did Peter get to this place so we go through this passage, we see Peter was in the right place. The place was a storm. The place might not have been the best thing he would have thought, that he's the best situation he might have thought he'd be in. He might have said, you know what, how about this? Let's plan a better situation for this. But instead he's in the storm, not a place he wants to be, but he's in the right place because that's where God told him to be. He's in the storm. There was a clear direction given. There was a concerning development. Point number two is this. How did Peter get to the point of walking on the water? Peter spoke to the right person. We see the casual deliverer in verse 27. Amongst their cries, what happens? But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I'm thankful today, although we might be scared, Jesus speaks of comfort. He says, hey, these disciples are crying out for fear, and Jesus said, Be of good cheer. Be not afraid, it's me. But let me ask you this, can you hear Jesus in the storm? Oftentimes we're so panicked and we forget to listen to the voice of Christ. The voice of God, the Bible says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. 
the casual deliverer. He didn't come running. He just came because he knew what he was, he was doing. He was in control of the whole situation. But we see the curious disciple here in verse 28. And this is where the main part of the message is. When Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. Peter grew up on these waters. Peter had launched out on these waters as we heard before. But now it's time for Peter to take a step of faith out on these waters. See, out of all the disciples, one spoke up. Lord, if it's you, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out to you on the waters. The other disciples stayed back in fear. They said, hey, we're going to stay back. We're going to see what Peter does. And they were there watching Peter in this moment. But look, Peter takes a stand and says, Lord, if it's you, you can give me the ability to walk out there on the waters. And you might say, hey, uh, in the storm and with all the waves, you know what the safest place for Peter to be was on the waters with Christ and walking with Jesus. And although the, the disciples were scared of the water, they were scared of the things going around, the safest place to be is where Christ told you to be. And he's basically saying this, Lord, if it's you, Lord, let me come out there. But let me ask you this. Have you ever asked the Lord, Lord, if you're challenging me, Lord, would you use my life? Lord, can I get in on the game? Lord, how about this? Lord, can I get involved? Lord, would you use me? I don't want to just see God work. I want to see God work in my life. So many of us today, we've read about the revivals of the past. We've read about the, the, the great revivals and the prayer meetings and the churches and thousands of people getting saved. But I'm saying, hey, why don't our generation see it? Why don't we see that today? Why don't we have some men say, Lord, if it's you, Lord, if you could do it, Lord, would you use me? Peter volunteers himself and he says, Lord, if it's you, would you use me? Lord, if it's you, let me come out on the waters. You know what this world needs? It needs some Christians to say, I'm not going to live in fear like those other 10 disciples or 11 disciples. I'm going to say, Lord, if it's you, let me come out on the water. Lord, if you're challenging me to go, let me come out on the waters. Lord, if you want me to be a missionary, let me come out on the waters. Lord, if you want me to get more involved in church, let me step out faith and come on the waters. I, Peter had no ability, ability to walk on the waters himself, but if Christ calls you, Christ will make a way. And you know what? Christ said, why don't you come out? And we'll see that in a second. All the disciples were silent in this moment. Only one asked. See, there's a lot of people that could be used by God, but haven't asked. There's a lot of people watching God use people but not a lot letting God use them. And this is the message. If Peter were to come up here and say, hey, I'm so thankful, I said, I'm so thankful that while everyone else was fearful, I said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out on the waters. I don't know why Peter said, you know what, I'm going to go walk on the water. I don't know what encouraged him to do so, but he saw his Savior going, so he said, you know what, I'm going to go to my Savior, and I'm going to take a step of faith on the waters. The waters were scary for those disciples, but one said, you know what, I'm not going to let fear control me. I'm going to have faith in God and I'm going to say, Lord, let me step out on the waters. We need some Christians today that say, hey, Lord, I can't get there in my own power, but Lord, I can come to you if you say, come. Where's the Christians today? We were talking about at lunch that will say, you know what? I'm going to be a trailblazer. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be the one that goes into the public schools and reaches them. I'm going to be the one that goes into the college campuses. I'm going to be the one that's going to be a missionary. I'm not going to be the one that just, just sits back like everyone else and that watch but Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come. The other disciples sat there in silence. We live in a generation where a lot of people sit in silence and let God use other people. But I don't want to let God use other people. I'm excited for God using other people. But I want God to use my life. Where's the people today say, Lord, use my life? He asked the right person. He spoke to the right person. He spoke to Jesus. Then we see this, Peter had the right passion. Point number three, Peter had the right passion. And I said earlier, 
I've already mentioned this part, but what does Jesus say? I said this morning, nevertheless was one of the key words in Peter's life. Here's the second key word in Peter's life. It's this word right here. And Jesus said, he said, come, come. You know what this means? Hey, Peter, you want to come out in the waters? You want to see me do something through you? Why don't you come out in the waters and see? And you know what that is? That's Jesus' approval for Peter to take a step of faith on the waters. You know what? If Peter just walked out in the waters, he would have sunk right away. But he said, Lord, if it's you, Lord, if you're challenging me, Lord, if that's you, why don't you let me come out there on the waters? And Jesus said, come. And I'm thankful today, as I said this morning, God still speaks us through his word, and God still calls us through his word. And you know what? We can still yield to God's word. Peter yields to God's word again. And you know what happens? It changes his life again. And the same thing throughout the whole Bible, when you yield to God's word, it will always change you. Peter yields and he says, he hears the word to come and you know what he does? And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he began to walk on the water to go to Jesus. Jesus rewards Peter's faith. And you know what I'm saying today? It's not about the circumstances today. It's about the call. It's not about the situations today. It's about our Savior. God can still work. God can still do things. And we might say, hey, these circumstances are too hard. How can we make a difference in this world? Turn on the news channels. You'll see all the craziness going on. Look around you. You see all the hardened hearts. You look on the campus. You see all the atheists. How can we ever do anything for Christ? Look at all the perversion all around us. How can we ever do anything for God? But let me tell you today, it's not about about the circumstance. It's about the call of God and God's still calling people and God will still use people. But oftentimes he's waiting for some people to say, Lord, would you use me? If Peter, if Peter ever asked to come out on the waters, I don't think he would ever walked on the waters. But one said, Lord, if it's you, would you have me come on the waters? He hears the, the call of Jesus to come. Don't miss the call today. Those disciples that stay in the boat, God uses them in other ways. But none of them can ever say, I walked on the waters because they missed the call. And I'm telling you, maybe you missed some calls in your life. God can still use you. But don't miss the call today because you might never get that call again. Don't miss the call to come on the waters. Don't miss the call because of the circumstance, because of fear, because of the storm. Whenever God calls, go. Imagine taking Peter, or imagine Peter taking his first step onto the water. A step of faith. He began to walk on the waters. And why was he walking on the waters? Look in verse 29. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. The whole reason he stepped out of the boat, the whole reason why, was to go to Jesus. And let me tell you today, Christian, let that be the theme of our life, to go to Jesus. Why are we serving today? Because I want to serve Jesus. Why am I here today? Because I want to follow Jesus. Why am I here? Hey, because I want to go to Jesus. Why do we serve? Why do we go? Don't forget the reason why you stepped out of the boat, and that's to go to Jesus. You're serving Jesus. You're serving Him, the King of Kings, the Alpha and Omega. That's why you started to go to Jesus. But we see there's constant distractions. In verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. As you begin to think about this passage, I begin to think about fear versus faith. Peter had a bold question. His fear turned into faith when he heard the voice of Christ. He said, Lord, my fear is not going to be fear anymore. I'm going to have faith. If I heard your voice, Jesus, if it's you, let me come on the waters. Jesus responds, come. Peter's face was found in the words of Jesus' words to come. His faith was strengthened in God's word. But the fear of all around them kept them in the boat of the other disciples. Fear kept the others in the boat. Fear came from the midst of the sea, the waves, the wind. 
They were all alone. There was an unknown person. Fear was found in their problem, situation, and circumstance, and they let their fear hold them back from following Christ. But Peter's fear turned into faith because he was listening for the voice of Christ. He heard the voice, and you know what faith did? Faith took Peter onto the water. It took him out of the boat, his place of safety, onto the water where his threat came, and it set Peter up to see the power of Jesus. You know what faith will do today? If some people to say, you know what? I want to have faith that God can do something. I'm going to take a step of faith. It's going to take you farther than you ever thought you could go because it's not you taking ta- taking you. It's God pushing you forward. It's God helping you get there. Today, Christian faith took him to go to Jesus. His reason for getting out of the boat. Peter finds himself doing something man cannot do. Walking on the water. With every step, Peter's faith should have been strengthened. Yet his faith weakened. With every step, Peter's focus changed. Peter lost sight of why he stepped out of the boat to go to Jesus. Why? Because fear caught his sight. His faith turned into fear when he began to rely on himself. Notice this. At first he was watching Jesus, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he took his eyes off the reason why he got out of the boat and he began to think of it for his own, uh, make his own plans and he began to try to rely on himself and he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. He began to sink because his faith turned into fear. The power came from Jesus. When Peter took his eyes off Christ, he lost Christ's power. Fear distracted Peter. He saw the wind. It caused Peter to panic. He was afraid. Faith turned to fear. It led him to sink, beginning to sink. Took him away from God's power. Faith looks to God. Fear looks to self. You know what? Today, I think a lot of Christians, we're looking to ourselves. We're saying, we can't reach this world. We can't reach this world. But let's have faith that we can. Through Christ. Where's the Christians today? They're going to say, you know what? Lord, use me. There was a curious disciple, or sorry, um, there was constant distractions. He saw the wind boisterous. He saw the problems, the circumstances. He began to sink. We might today, you might have taken some steps of faith in your life. You began to sink. I'm thankful that the Lord's there to pick us up. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. But you might say today, You can't live for God these days. You can't stay pure these days. You can't make a difference in these days. You can't be a light at your work these days. You can't see revival these days. And the list goes on and on of what people might say. And let me tell you, you're right. You can't, but God can. You might not be able to do it yourself, but God can. I'm thankful today that we can't, but God can give us the power to do so. In Exodus chapter 3, God told Moses, I want to use you. And what did Moses say? And what, what, what was his response? Who am I? Who am I to go tell Pharaoh? And, and Jesus does, or God doesn't respond to Peter saying, you know what, this is who you are. This is who you are, Moses. He says, tell him I am that I am sent you. Because it's not about who we are today. It's about who our God is. It's about how great our God is. And God can use you. Lastly, because Peter... He was in the right place. He spoke to the right person. He had the right passion. It led him to have the right praise. The right praise. Verse 31. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I'm thankful today when, when we begin to sink and when we fail, God's there to pick us up. A just man falls seven times and he gets back up again. I'm thankful we have a God of second chances and he helped Peter up. But what is, Peter's, what is Jesus' response? O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? This is what he said. Why would you doubt, Peter? I said to come. 
Why would you doubt? What happens, verse 32, when they were come to the ship, the wind ceased. Notice how the wind ceased when they got to the ship. It didn't stop when Peter stepped on the water. Christ could have, could have stopped it and made it very, all the wind go away, all the waves go away for Peter to walk on the water, but no, he didn't. Because it's not about the circumstances. It's about who calls you. It's about the God who calls you. When they got back into the ship, the wind stopped. He could have calmed the storm, but he had Peter to walk through the storm. The storm was a lesson. Sometimes all the circumstances say you should step out another time when everything's going better. But Peter would say, no, step out now. Step out now. This is the message. If Peter were here today, he would say, come check out the waters. I never regret taking a step of faith on the waters. But let me tell you who regretted those who stayed in the boat because they never got to experience walking on the waters. Where's the people today that said, Lord, would you use my life? Lord, I want to get involved. I'm tired of seeing other people be used by God. I want to be used by you, Lord, and only you can give me the power to do so. Lord, would you use me to be a preacher? Lord, would you use me to be a better example? Lord, would you use me to reach someone? Lord, would you use me to sing? Lord, would you use me to get more involved? Where's the Christians today that are saying, Lord, would you use my life? Disciple, the other disciples were okay. They were okay with being passive. They were okay with sitting back and in the boat. They were okay with just watching. But today, if this world's going to see a, a, a change, it's going to start by some Christians saying, Lord, would you use me? It's going to start with some young adults saying, Lord, would you use my life? I'm tired of watching it. I'm tired of seeing all these other things. I want God to use my life today. Where's the Christians? I'm going around the country. I'm talking to young adults all the time. And you know what I hear all the time from pastors? Hey, do you have a youth pastor in mind? I need some uh, young man to come in and pastor for us. I need somebody. I need somebody. I need somebody. And I hear that all the time. And you know what I have to tell them? Sorry, I don't have a person right now. Sorry, I don't have someone that's going to step up. But you know what today, in a church like this, in a church around the country, people can still volunteer for God. People can say, Lord, would you use my life? Lord, I want to step out on the waters. Lord, I want to see you do a great miracle. Peter never regretted because he got to see God do a great miracle through him. And God will do a great miracle through you. For those that say, Lord, would you use my life. Lord, can I come out on the waters? Lord, please, would you use me? Peter experienced a great miracle because he asked the Lord by saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. The Lord, like this morning, the Lord used this message in my life in many ways. I had one more year to play football in college. That's where the Lord was leading me at that time. COVID came and started delaying everything. And I began to feel this challenge saying, it's time for you to launch out again. And I'm like, Lord, but this time I said, it's time for you to take a step of faith. I'm like, Lord, this doesn't make sense, Lord. Uh, everyone's telling me I should wait. And he's like, I want you to go full time in ministry. And that's what I've kept hearing. And I, I'm like, Lord, if this is really what you want me to do, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And as I said this morning, I came into January 2021. I had one meeting scheduled and $50 to support. $50 to support won't get you too far out there. And I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I said, Lord, I have one more year. I, it makes sense. I could play one more year. This is where you have me. But the Lord says, it's time for you to take a step of faith. You know what happened? I saw God do things that I never could imagine. And you know what? It wasn't about the circumstance. It wasn't a... It was about the call of God. And today, some of you might be coming up with the excuses of why not to give your life to Christ. You might be coming up with the excuse, oh, I can't be a missionary. I just met a missionary who passed, he pastored in Missouri for 18 years. You know what the Lord called him to do? 
to go to be go be a missionary in the Middle East. And I, I was preaching a youth rally with him, and I said, I'm thankful that he's going, but there should, should have been some young adults that have already went. He, he's leaving his church because God's calling him to go. But where were the people that should have already been there? Today, Christians, why don't we go? Why don't we volunteer ourselves saying, Lord, I don't know whether you want me to be a missionary, let me come. Lord, if you want me to do whatever, ask the Lord and say, Lord, if it's your will, let me come. The Lord provides, the Lord makes a way. Peter had no ability to walk on the water, yet Christ gave him the ability to walk on the water because it's not about us, it's, a who, it's about who God is. There's a world lost and dying, looking for the answers. But it'd be a sad thing to say we stayed in the boat while the world was perishing. But it's always, it's always great to read about the missionaries that took that step out of the boat, walked by faith because they heard the call of God and they said, Lord, if that's you, let me come. And you hear about how God did great things in their life, how God did all those different things. But I'm here to tell you, it's not just about the yesteryears or the years before. Today, God can use you for those that say, Lord, let me come. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to open your word. Lord, I believe this is where the message you led me to this evening. Lord, I pray I got the point across. Lord, there's so many people that are in this world without hope, that are hopeless. Lord, I pray that in our churches, Lord, we wouldn't just sit on the bench. We'd get in the game and see you do great works. Those other disciples, they saw you do great works. Peter experienced you doing a great work. Lord, I want to experience you doing a great work in our generation, in our country, on our college campuses, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. I believe you can do it, Lord. And Lord, we're asking you this evening, Lord, would you help us to come? And Lord, if you call us, we'll go. Lord, I pray that you not only challenge us this evening, but as this morning we talked about, Lord, change us to the person you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.